Hi, guys. So what's up? Everybody good? Man, can you believe it's student weekend already? My gosh, just a year ago, I was standing up here and talking about student weekend, and here I am. Can't believe it. Oh, my gosh. Uh, uh, thank you for being here. Thanks for letting me come up and share. I, I don't take that lightly, and I'm honored to get to stand here and share with you guys here this morning. Um, if you're watching at home, hey, thanks for being a part. And, or if you're in, in traditions right now, what's up, everybody? Uh, uh, man, I am so grateful. If I haven't ever got a chance to meet you, my name is Justin Matthews, and I'm the student ministry pastor here. Been here for around eight years, and um, if I haven't met you and you want to come out back after the service, I'll give you a high five, I promise. Uh, so I hope you guys come and say hello, but um, I, I've been working with middle school and high school kids like, forever, for like 18 years. And man, I love it. I can't believe what I get to do every single day, and I, I truly do. Uh, I'm one of the 1% that actually loves middle school students. Uh, uh, and so I, I, I've, one of my favorite things to do with students is just kind of get away, like go somewhere like, go somewhere, like on missions or, or to camp or one of our retreats. I love it. But, but one of my, uh, I, I, I've taken students everywhere. Uh, I've taken them like on top of mountains and I've taken them across the United States, taken them to Greeley. Um, <laughs> that's a stupid joke. <laughs> I've taken them to El Salvador and, and all over the world. I've even taken them to amusement parks, which is awful. <laughs> I, take, I took a bunch of freshman boys to uh, this amusement park in Kansas City, Missouri called, uh, called Worlds of Fun. And attached to Worlds of Fun is a water park called Oceans of Fun. You know, that seems fitting. And I, I'm going to do something really quick. If you've ever been to an amusement park with a middle school or a high school student, I just want you to raise your hand. Yeah, you guys are, you guys are going to know what I'm talking about. All right? I don't know what it is about, about water parks that make middle school and high school kids crazy. They just turn into total lunatics. The mo I don't know if it's like chlorine or something, but they seriously turn into full-blown crazy people every single time you take them to an amusement park. So I'm going to set the stage for you. I'm 19 years old, and I I'm a student at the greatest university in all the planet, the University of Tennessee. And yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> didn't expect that. Um, um, and and I, I was a student, and, and I have the ninth grade boys, there's about 15 of us, and they are... Um, they're idiots, okay? Um, if, you're, if you're thinking and you're like, they couldn't be dumber than my kid, <laughs> they may be. Um, and, I mean, these are the dumbest boys in school, okay? And so I have these 19 boys, and, and you know, we're going up on all the water slides and stuff, and it's like noon, and we've been kicked out of almost every single water slide there is. We got kicked out of the lazy river. I didn't know you could do that. And the worst part was, I didn't do anything. They were doing all the dumb stuff. I was just guilty by association. So we're on the last slide that we're allowed to get on. And it's one of these big tube slides where you get in the tube and you, you know, or not the, like the, you know, tunnel and you slide down and it's, it's fine. And I remember the lifeguard just kept yelling at them. I mean, they're cutting in front of people. Like, you know, it's like, it's like watching a swarm of bees at a water park. 
And they're going down the lifeguards yelling at them, hey, go down on your back. And they're spinning around and going down two at a time like a bunch of dummies. And then finally, finally the, the lifeguard turns and looks at me and she just goes, you need to get these kids under control. And I said, they don't, they don't really listen to me. <laughs> and, and as I say that, I look back and my friend Barrett Frazier, he's like 15, gives me the look. And I'm like, oh, don't die. And, and he takes off running and then dives like he's a penguin down this slide. And then the lady starts yelling at me again. And she just goes, it's not that they don't listen to you. It's that they don't respect you, which I agreed with. But I didn't really respect them either, so I get that. And then she goes, that's it. you got to walk back down. And I was like, I assumed. I've been here for five hours and haven't had water touch me yet, so I assumed. So I start walking back down the slide like an idiot. And man, these, these 15 boys, although they made me want to pull my mustache out sometimes, Man, I love them something fierce. I love those boys. They're the coolest. And now they're all uh, grown and, you know, they, they have kids of their own and they're married. And they still call me when things are going on in their life. And they're like in their 30s. It's awesome. Man, I love these guys. I became these guys' friend, like a real friend. Like we'd be with their peers and they wouldn't say, hey, this is J-Matt, my small group leader, or this is J-Matt, my pastor. No, no, no. They'd say, hey, I want you to meet J-Matt. This is my friend. All the time. This is my friend, J-Matt. I got the privilege, and I mean privilege, to lead these boys in a small group for four years. Some of the coolest guys you'll ever meet. They're wild animals, but they're the best. In 2008, those boys were in the 11th grade, and uh, there was a boy in our small group named Stanton Oster. And my man Stanton um, got a really serious brain tumor. And it changed my relationship with Stanton. My relationship used to be I would go and cheer him on when he pitched for Carnes High School. Go, Beavers. And, or, or I'd meet him for breakfast and he'd tell me about the new girl he has a crush on that was very different than last week. It went from all that stuff to going to the hospital and visiting my friend Stanton. It went from me driving around all over Knoxville, Tennessee to pick up kids in his small group just so we could go to the hospital and see our friend. Guys, I prayed for Stanton every single day, including the weekends. Didn't take a day off. Every single day, I prayed for my friend Stanton. The doctor told Stanton um, that he's going to lose control of his eyes, and so he wore an eye patch. It was a white eye patch, and I remember I was in there one day, and I took a purple Sharpie, and I I drew an eyeball... (laughs) on his eye patch, because it made him laugh. The doctor told Stanton that he would never see again. He would never walk on his own ever again. He would never eat on his own ever again, and he'd never talk ever again. But 
What the doctor didn't know is that there was a group of 11th grade boys praying for Stanton every day. What the doctor didn't know is that God had other plans for Stanton. We had 11th grade boys praying fiercely for their friends. And guys, God showed up. Today, I talked to Stanton just last week, and he's walking and talking. He's married. He has two little kids, and they're beautiful. I truly believe that Stanton is an answer to prayer. I truly believe this is what happened when friends pray for their friends. God had different idea for Stanton. I'm going to read you guys um, um, top three favorite stories in the Bible. Top three. And it's in Mark 2, and it says this. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was packed with visitors where there were no more room, even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole in the roof above his head. Okay, you guys clearly didn't hear what I said. All right, so here's these four guys carrying this man on a mat, this paralyzed man on a mat, and they go up to this house, and it's completely packed, and they can't get in. If I was one of these guys, I would have said, hey guys, why don't we just wait here? I bet Jesus will eventually come out, and then we'll talk to him then. Or, or maybe option number two is, is we go, hey, why don't we just ask him, hey, scooch over a little bit. We just want to get this guy to, to Jesus. I say, hey, scooch over. But no, these four evidently eagle scouts are heading up to the roof. And they start digging a hole in this guy's roof that I assume used to be excited about getting the host Jesus speaking tour. And then it says this. They lowered the man on a mat right down in front of Jesus. Guys, okay. Here's what I like to picture happened, okay? Pretend, pretend that you guys are in this house and pretend like, like I'm Jesus. <laughs> okay. I think someone laughed too hard at that. So picture I'm speaking and all of a sudden some like flakes kind of start falling down on my head. Now everybody's kind of like, what is going on up there? And then you have the, the homeowner be like, I just re-shingled this. And so, and, and, and all of a sudden start falling, falling down, and maybe I'm just knocking it out of my long, lustrous hair. And then all of a sudden, maybe a beam of light busts through, and people are like, there are people on the roof. And then all of a sudden, maybe like a hand pokes through this hole. And then I like to think whenever the, the hole gets about this big, maybe you see like a... Yeah, he's in there. And not only do they make this hole big, they make it huge where a guy on a mat can fit through this hole. And then you picture the homeowner just, come on, knock it off. I heard it was going to rain tonight. And then it says this, they lowered the man on the mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Okay, 
I picture these four guys lowering this man on a mat, and then they jump down, and they're, you know, they're hanging with their boy. And, and what I picture happened is they're standing there, and then Jesus looks at this paralyzed man on a mat and says, my child, your sins are forgiven. If I'm one of these four guys, I kind of walk up and do this. Jesus, don't want to tell you how to do your, it's the legs. It's the legs. And then, verse 6, But some of the teachers of the religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, Why do you question this in your heart? Is it easier to say to a paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? I've read this story a thousand times. Maybe two thousand and that, that sentence always had confused me. Whenever, whenever these, these, when Jesus says, is it easier for me to say, hey, your sins are forgiven, or get up and walk? I know it's not the answer Jesus is looking for, but I'm going to say, it is way easier to say your sins are forgiven. Not do, but say your sins are forgiven. Like, it's really easy for me to say I'm an astronaut, but it's really hard for me to actually be an astronaut. And I, this verse always confused me. I always wondered why Jesus said that. But I think it's because he's trying to show them something that he actually does have the power to forgive sins. I think he's actually about to prove that he is the Son of God, and he does have the authority to do that. I think he's going to kind of, you know, put his money where his mouth is. Verse 10, so I'll prove to you that I'm the Son of Man, has the authority to for, on earth to forgive sins. Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. The man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out to, through the stunned onlookers. They were amazed, and they praised God, exclaiming, Never seen anything like this before. This story is unbelievable. It seriously is. It is unbelievable. I, I think for three things, probably more things, but I only got three. The first thing, I think this story is incredible because it's hilarious. I think it's so fun to read. Every single time I read this story, I put myself in a different person's shoes. Number two is because I think we get to see the true power of Jesus. We see the true power of Jesus. And number three we get to see the power of friendship. If you know me at all, I'm all about friendship. I'm one of those guys that can take any verse in the Bible and I'll take it back to friendship, always. I believe that friendship is one of the greatest gifts that God gives us. Now, I want you guys to think about this guy on the mat. What if he didn't have any friends? What if he didn't have people who truly cared about him? He's probably just a guy on a mat. That's a burden to a lot of people. He's probably really alone. His quality of life is probably pretty, pretty low. He probably is just stuck. But he doesn't. He has four friends who like love him and like seriously love him. And they refuse to let him be stuck. They refuse to let him be alone. And they refuse to let him just lay there. 
I think we all can agree that there's a difference between good friends and great friends. I think these four guys are great friends. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, if you guys didn't know there's a difference between good friends and great friends, it's okay. I'm about to tell you. I think one of the differences between a good friend is a good friend, they'll probably come and visit and, you know, maybe bring you a meal, like whenever you're sick or have a baby or something, or, or maybe when you're out and about and you, you kind of see them, you'll stop and you'll do the, oh, isn't it hot today? That, you'll do that sort of thing. Oh, so how are your kids? Spend it again. Cool, cool. You'll do that whole thing. You might text them during the Nuggets or like the Broncos when they're playing. You invite them to like your birthday party. And, and they might bring a gift. It's probably a gift card if they do. Because they don't actually know what you like. No shade on gift cards. If you're a gift card maker, I'm sorry. I like gift cards. But there's a difference between a good friend and a great friend. Like a great friend will say... Hey, I'll pray for you. And then they actually pray for you. As like my main man Dick Foth says, they will talk, they'll bring your name up when they're talking to the creator of the universe. A great friend will come to your house just to anoint it with oil. They will come and babysit because you and your spouse just need a break. They'll pay for dinner and they're going to bring a toy for your little boy. They ask questions like, how are you doing? And then they'll say, how are you doing really? I think a lot of you guys know um, what's going on in in my family right now. And and for those who don't know, um, in December, um, my wife was diagnosed with breast cancer. And I just want you to know that This has been the hardest year of my life. My life got turned upside down when I found out that Mackenzie had cancer. It destroyed me. Absolutely destroyed me. I have never felt hurt and confusion and fear like I have this year. I have never understood the saying where it says, when people say it feels like a kick in the gut, until now. And I understand it all too well. This year, I felt paralyzed. This year, I just felt like I was laying on a mat. And I couldn't do anything about this cancer All I could do is watch my sweet Mackenzie get sick. Guys, I was helpless. But I want you to know something. Because of cancer, my sweet wife and I have tasted and seen the sweetest of all friendships. Because of cancer... I am blown away by the kindness of my friends. Because of cancer, I am blown away by the kindness of this church staff. Like Pastor Derry and Jeff and Dick Foth and Donnie and Daryl and Brent. People who have loved Mackenzie and I so well. And not just said it. 
They showed us. They put their money where their mouth was. I'm blown away by the people in this very room right now that have been so kind to us. So kind to us. I'm blown away by the people in this room that when they talk to the creator of the universe, they say my name. I get the privilege to lead a group of sixth grade boys. I am blown away by the sixth grade boys in my small group that have prayed for McKenzie every single day. I am blown away by the people in this room who have brought us meals and cooked dinner for us and brought a toy for our little boy. I am blown away by the people who love McKenzie something fierce. I'm blown away by the people who love me so dearly. And I'm blown away by people who love our little boy pal. Guys, I got to experience firsthand the kingdom of God right here in Fort Collins, Colorado. I got to experience firsthand people ripping open ceilings because they knew me and Mackenzie needed to be at the feet of Jesus. I got to experience firsthand people saying, no, 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 no. I'm not waiting outside. I'm getting Mackenzie to Jesus. I experienced firsthand people coming up to me and saying, how are you doing? No, no, no. How are you doing really? Because of cancer, I have gotten to taste and see the sweetest of all, of all friendships. I got to experience true, deep real and beautiful friendships that otherwise I might have never noticed. So I want to say thank you. Thank you. I've been a pastor for a long time and I'm used to carrying a lot of mats. But during this season, you all carried mine. Man, I'm grateful. Man, I'm grateful. Thank you. Thank you. So what does all this mean for you? I have two questions for you. Who carries your mat? When things really go wrong in your life, who's the person who carries your mat? When things are really tough, whose mat are you like, I know they'll, they'll rip open a ceiling for me. Or, whose mat do you carry? If you don't have an answer to either of these questions, I encourage you to find it. You're never too old for more friends. Don't just be like, I have two friends and that's enough. You're never too old for friendship. I believe that friendship makes life so much sweeter. When I first moved to Colorado, um, there was a cute blonde that I really had a crush on. And I knew I was going to marry her. And I moved here and, and I, I left, a, I left when, I, when I graduated from college and I lived in a house with, with nine other guys. And it's exactly what you're thinking right now. I lived in a house with nine of my best friends in the entire world. Guys to this day who still pray for me every day. And when I got here, I thought friendship was going to be super duper easy. 
I thought I was going to just, you know, walk into any room and I was going to make nine more best friends in the whole wide world and it would take 45 minutes. But what I found out is that friendship is hard. It is tough. You have to fight for it. You have to go and join things. Guys, I joined a, a young adults group and I went on a hike. And hiking's the worst. You just walk uphill for no reason. It's so stupid. If you're a hiker, maybe think about some things. Guys, I went and did a hike. It was crazy. It was awful. But I wanted to make friends, and maybe there was a friend on that hike that wanted to be my friend. I had to go places where, guys, guess what? I didn't know anyone, which kind of seems like a lost art these days. Most times you go to a birthday party, everybody wants to see the guest list. I tell, I tell middle school and high school students all the time, hey, every person that you have ever met in your entire life has been a stranger at one point. I had to go and be the friend that initiates things. I couldn't just sit around and wait for people to call me. I had to call people. I had to start things. I had to literally get people all together. I couldn't be that friend that just sits around. I had to be the friend that invites. I had to be the friend that makes friendships happen. If you know me at all, you know that I have a pretty unbelievable memory. Like my memory is seriously like, Top 1%. I remember everything unimportant that's ever happened to me. I remember I moved to Cincinnati, Ohio um, when I was in the second grade, and man, I was so nervous about going to a new school. I remember my mom walking me to the bus stop, and I remember being so nervous. I was wearing a Chicago White Sox shirt. I'm not a White Sox fan. I remember I was walking and my mom was like, why are you so nervous? And I remember my second grade Justin just said, I'm just nervous about making friends. And my mom said, if you want to make a friend, be a friend. And second grade Justin was probably like, God, mom, get out of here. You're so embarrassing. Ugh, God. What I have found out as I've gotten older, is how smart my mom was and still is. My dad, I think I had right. <laughs> I said that joke last night. He didn't like it much. <laughs> Sorry, Dad. But guys, she's right. She's right. If you want a friend, be a friend. Friendship's hard sometimes, but I promise you guys, it's worth it. Everything valuable in your life requires work. Friendship is no different. Here at Timberline, you will hear us say connection is one of our key values. You guys could probably come up here and do that whole pitch, but we mean it. At Timberline, connection is one of our key values, and it's not just something we say. It is not just a throwaway line to, you know, fill time. We believe it. So get connected. 
join a small group and then go to the small group. Go on nights when you're really tired. Go on nights when you had a really long day at work. Go on nights where you're like, I'm not sure if I know anybody that's coming tonight. Go. Join the hiking group here at Timberline. Or the group I'm starting, the anti-hiking group. We just sit. That's a dumb joke. There's not an anti-hiking group, but there should be. Volunteer at Timber Kids or TSM or Timberline College and throw yourselves into community. Jesus-centered community, throw yourselves in. Join the softball league or, or, or the women's golf group. Even if you're terrible, join and go and make some friends. At Timberline Student Ministries, parents and students will hear me say all the time, TSM is not about Bible studies. We're not. We're not about youth group. We are about friendship. Here's the thing. You can come to all of our Bible studies because we do Bible studies and they are great. But eventually, your student won't be old, will be too old. You can come to our middle school summer camps or high school retreats, all these things, and they could be so great, but eventually they'll be too old, and they'll have to move out of TSM. But here's the thing, you're never too old for friendship. These guys that I led when I was 19 years old, we are still friends today. Our friendship didn't end because our small group ended. We're friends, and it'll never go away. Go be a friend who is dying to carry someone's mat. A double dog dare you. Will you stand and pray with me? Jesus, I am thankful for friendship. I am so thankful for the sweet, sweet friendships that I have made in my life. Thank you for friendship. Jesus, you are a good God. Keep reminding us of that. Thank you for my friends in this room. Jesus, we love you a whole bunch. Amen. Thanks, guys.